You are listening to The Fox, a podcast novel written and read by Arlene Radaski. Chapter 24 For we have met in this life to dance in the light in the time that we have. And I will call out your name, and through my pain you will understand. The lover's song, though love will live on, long, long after life is gone. And I will die in your arms, and all my sorrow will be gone, and all the things in my life I held so dear must leave me now. But I will live on, long after the silence ends the song. Steve MacDonald Jana, 82 A.D., May 1. Our heavy cloaks kept out the cold. Mine was lined and trimmed with the fur of the white stag. We passed the night holding each other tightly under the cloaks, skin to skin, and watched the journey of the moon and stars across the sky. I wanted to hear and feel every beat of his heart, to breathe in every breath he exhaled. We spoke little. I tried to forget just for the moment, what was ahead. To calm my breathing, I traced my labyrinth. The pattern burned into my mind. I silently repeated the words I used in my work. The gods give us the sun that sets, but rises for a new day. We die, but will meet again in the home of the gods. We sat on a small hill just above the tree line of the forest, alone, for the few hours it took the night to pass. A late frost crept in and laid a crystal blanket of white sparkles, reflecting moonlight over the farmer's fields. Laverne shivered as I washed his body. Our jar of water was bitter cold. As I reached his feet, I caressed his toes. Chrissy has these toes. Ah, and she has your smile. She carries both of us to the future. Now the sun was about to crawl over the top of the mountain and promise a new day, a fresh new world. Just a few moon cycles ago, I rejoiced in the start of every new day, every sunrise, saying prayers of thankfulness to our goddess for my daughter, my husband, and my life in her work. This was a dawn that I did not want to see come. The druids started to assemble around the fire, coming from the dark corners of the forest after a night of prayers. They had not been far, just out of sight. We heard their murmuring voices behind us all night long. I wanted to finish Laverne's ablutions by myself. I knelt in front of him and felt small stones dig into my knees. The sharp points of pain reminded me that this was not a dream. His eyes glinted with moonlight as he looked deep into mine. I took his sharp dirk in hand and shaved him as I had done many times before. This was the last time I would hold his face. Twice I had to pull my hand away from his cheeks, trembling, trying not to cry. I did not want to cut him, to cause him pain on our last morning together. The many times I helped ease the path of those dying and counseled their life mates, I had never felt the intense pain they were going through. 
I recalled the grief of losing Bethan and my mother, but that was like a bee-sting to this anguish. I foolishly told the others to be strong. You will see them in the other world, I had naively said. Well-meaning, but so unknowing. Now I understood. How does a person losing the mate of their life on earth stop the torturous pain of a dying heart? It was impossible. I knew I was ill and would not live long beyond his death. I would see him again, but those thoughts were hollow. They lived in the future. My life was now. My heart and stomach wrung itself into a ball and took up my whole chest. Oh, goddess, help me! How can I not wail and tear out my hair? I prayed to believe that our bloodline would continue. A remembrance of Ain flooded through my mind and heart. Was this the proof I so desperately sought? I forced myself to believe that she was of our blood, that she was our future. To reinforce my belief, I added a line to my prayer. The gods give us the sun that sets, but rises for a new day. We die, but we'll meet again in the home of the gods. And through our children and their children, we will live throughout all time. Bertha and Rona came to us. They bade us to follow them to a large bronze cauldron that contained smoldering, fragrant grasses. The smoke rose slowly in the heavy, cold air. The heat from the cauldron warmed us as we held hands. Rona came to me, touched my shoulder, and gently tugged at me to tell me it was time to stand aside. I couldn't move. I grasped Laverne's hand with both of mine, and he turned to face me. His arms wrapped around me as if to protect me from the upcoming event. How can it be time already? We have not had long enough together. I need to talk to him. Do you remember the day we met ten years ago? I thought I hated you, I whispered. I thought you had destroyed my life. You told Bethan I was not supposed to marry Heralt, and I did not think I would ever be able to live within the clan again. He nodded, his bronze hair free around his face, looking through to my soul with his dark eyes. Yes, he said. The goddess had plans for us. It took time to find out what those plans were. Now we are here. We now know what is required of us, and I pray our efforts are rewarded. Yes, I shook my head in agreement. As I put my hand on his face, I remembered the feel of his red beard rough on my fingertips. I remembered him inside of me. I remembered his tears at Chrissy's birth. He leaned his now smooth face into my hands, and my fingers traced his high cheekbones. The gods give us the sun that sets but rises for a new day. We die, but we'll meet again in the home of the gods, and through our children and their children we will live throughout all time. His thin, sinewy body bent over me, and I looked deep into his calm blue-black eyes. I wanted to live forever in those eyes. His eyes could find me anywhere and tell me he loved me without words. I loved his eyes. The clan members smothered their peat fires. They would gather purifying flames to relight theirs from the Beltane fire. 
The heavy, acrid smoke still reached us, and my eyes began to water. I bit my lip until I tasted my own blood. I could stand it no longer. I had to know his reason. Why? Why all the pain and dying? I asked. Your dying will not stop the war. We will still fight. Why not give in to the coming conquerors? Why do you have to die? Why do our clansmen have to die? Oh, Jana, my love, your question has been asked by so many in the past. Is there an easy answer? I think not. Today we are able to hunt where we wish. We trade with those we call family or friends and kill those we call enemies. We ask for no permission except that of our own chieftains. They are our lords and rule-makers. We do not live at anyone else's call. We sleep and make love with those whom we alone choose. I have seen the Roman slaves. You were taken by one. They drove him mad. He never would have done that on his own. He was a guard for the queen. I have seen children with no names. Chrissy cannot live like that. I would rather she die. In her place, I die. Freedom, Jana. It is a fight for life and for freedom. We must win for all the coming clans and children. We fight for our daughters and sons to have the right to live free, run free. I die for my queen, Bodicea. I die for my mother and sisters. I die so we may win against our foe now and forever. I give my life to our gods and trade for our freedom. I would do it again and again and again for you. I do it for you. The druids stepped closer and began to chant. Rostin, Nathrakian, all of them, even Rona, had learned the song of the sacrifice. Laverne, I am trying to understand. I believe and trust in the gods and their demands. It is so hard, because it is you I want now, not the gods' approval. But I will struggle to understand. I must tell you, I have spoken these words before in many ways. I would not know my life's path if you had not come to our clan. I would be a farmer's wife. In you I found my teacher. You are my soul's mate. You are my only love. I love you here, and I will love you in the other world. I will cut your hair and shave your beard every day. I will weave gold cloth for us to wear. We will hunt the white stag when I come and make love in our cave again. We will watch over Chrissy and keep her safe. We will keep her free. My will was returning. I had to be strong for him. You are my heart, he said. My strength comes from you. Alone, this would not be possible for me. The gods threw us together, and we did our best. Now they demand this of us. Together, we will prevail in death as we did in life. He gathered me into his strong arms and rang his soft hands through my loose hair. I crushed myself as close as I could up against his chest, curled into the circle he made around me. 
I felt the tickle of the fox-fur band he wore on his arm against my face. He did not want to fail at this task, his last duty as our druid priest. I could not betray him. You know I love you. I have loved you since you first touched my mind. That is why I journeyed here so long ago. I had to find you, he murmured into my hair. Then pulling back, he said, It is time. We must go. The gods and the people await. He lowered his mouth to mine, and we kissed the last kiss of a husband and wife, of a master and mistress, of lovers. Rona drew me away, and the druids stepped in. Rostin took off Laverne's cloak. He was naked except for his fox fur armband when Firtha called for the three pots of color. He stood tall and erect. My body reacted and readied itself for his entry. It was not to be in this life ever again. Firtha dipped her hand into a pot of alder red dye and rubbed her hands all over his face and chest. His arms and back became welled yellow, and woad blue was used on his groin and legs. The colors melted into one another. As I watched him be painted, I remembered the bull he sacrificed at our first Sawain. The viper in my gut turned to stone. It pushed heavy against my heart. It was impossible to breathe. Bertha finished. She nodded, holding her arms up to the gods. Her hands dripped the colors now streaked on the body of my husband. He is done, she said. We are both done, I thought. Yesterday the druids prepared a sacred last meal for Laverne of unleavened barley bread cooked on a stone until blackened and sprinkled with ground mistletoe berries. They sang a chant over it that I had not heard before. They named gods. Isus, Tyrannus, the thunder god, Tiuatis, the god of the clans. Bertha called these gods in their triumvirate. They are the gods we called for war. Sing loud, druids. Tell them my husband is coming to discuss war. Tell them to open their ears and take them to Lug and Bell and Morigna and Scotia. Tell them he is leaving me and coming to them. Tell them he is coming. Tell them I love him. Rona brought the blackened bread to Laverne. He took a bite and his mouth twisted with its bitterness. A mug of mead was handed to her and she retrieved her tiny green jar of oil from her belt. She slightly tipped it to pour a small amount into the mead. She offered it to Laverne. He took a sip and then leaned forward to whisper into her ear. She turned and gave the rest of the drink to me. I was grateful to have it. Together with the help of Rona's elixir, we would gather the strength to walk to the fires and beyond. I tasted the honey of his lips as I drank, looking into his eyes while I swallowed. Too soon, Finlay and Kenrick appeared. The fires are lit, said Kenrick. It is time to go. Where is Chrissy? I asked Finlay. She is with Eric and the other children. She will be at the fires and the sacrifice, but at a distance, so as not to see the whole event. Good, that is good, said Laverne. She will be stronger for this. He sounded as if he were trying to talk himself into this thought. I knew she must be there. 
and knew I would not be with her to talk through what she would see. Eric will need a soft hand for her today, I said. Please tell Chrissy we love her. She is well watched and is loved, Finley said. The band of druids opened enough for Kenrick to step in. I wish there were another way to do this, he said. I will miss you as a friend and healer. I know you will do your best for us, and if we have any chance with the gods, you will find it. It is time to go. We started to walk to the meadow of the giving fires. A sudden thought scurried through my mind. He will be cold. He needs my cloak. I stumbled on a root, slippery from the frost, as I hurriedly shook off my cloak and held it up for him. He stopped walking and gazed toward the moon that hung still over the three hills. The fires were starting to blaze in the distance. I looked in the other direction to the lake that reflected the late moon and beginning pink of a sunrise. The gray sky was clear of clouds. The memory of our first Samhain together, our first giving fires, and its sacrifice haunted me. Hear me now and believe. He turned and his eyes burned into mine. With you near, I do not feel the cold. I do not feel anything. He reached out and grasped my shoulders with his strong hands. When it is time, I will be with you, Chrissy, and the gods. No pain can cross that barrier. A moan leaked from my heart and escaped my mouth. I nodded, and pulling my cloak back on, fell into step behind him. I will not cry. I tried to make my mind blank, but memories of the last ten years rolled through it. I was not sure I would be able to carry out my task. How could I continue after today? I will not cry. The gods give us the sun that sets but rises for a new day. We die, but we'll meet again in the home of the gods, and through our children and their children we will live throughout all time. The stacked oak logs of the Beltane fires blazed and crackled with intense heat. We stood to the side, waiting for Fertha to speak. We are going back to our old ways, she told the crowd. As she started, their milling and talking subsided. I saw that the entire clan, and some from outside clans as well, were present, the children at the back. Silius and Heralt were near them, and I knew they would also watch over Chrissy. Today, she continued, Beltane is the day of sacrifice. The Romans are coming, and we must stop them. The gods, through the king, ordered this sacrifice for the clans. We call on Bel and the Morigna to hear us today. Laverne is here to give his life for you. He gives his life to the gods to bring victory to our cause. He will sit at the table of the gods and share a cup of mead. He will hunt with them and argue for our freedom. He does this of his own free will. I order songs to be sung about him for all time to come. He sacrifices his life so our blood will be free. At this, 
The crowd roared its approval. I swallowed several times to keep from retching. Follow us. Walk through the purifying fires. Go to the sacred waters of the lake. Follow us. Be purified and witness our gift to the gods. The crowd broke into yells of thankfulness. They also started calling Laverne's name. He was a god among us now. Bertha led us between the towers of flames and heat seared our faces. It was as if the sun had come down to bear witness to this death. After we got through the path of flames, the night closed in around us again. Then we turned and headed toward the lake. To the point that Laverne and I had walked around so many seasons ago. The druids walked before us on the narrow, worn path. I could see the small rise that was our destination. Then those who ran ahead to see the ceremony hid it. No matter. I would never forget what it looked like. The grass that grew on the rise always seemed greener than that beside it. Was it fed by the blood that had been spilled there so long ago? Waves ate under the shoreline and caused an undercut of the land just at the edge of the lake, the frigid water that held our past human sacrifices and many bronze blades thrown to the gods. Even when the sky was clear of clouds and the sun blazed, it seemed dark to me at that spot on the lake. I hated it. I would never be able to look upon it again. Laverne's blood would now feed the grass. The druids walked on, fifteen white robes, fifteen druids to perform this deed. All were ready but me. I repeated my prayer over and over. I had to believe it or I would not live through this. The gods give us the sun that sets but rises for a new day. We die, but we'll meet again in the home of the gods, and through our children and their children we will live throughout all time. The crowd parted to let us through. Behind them the smooth black lake reflected the receding moon. My heart pounded to the rhythm of the ceremonial drums. The druid's chant grew louder, drowning out my heartbeat, and then stopped as Firtha halted. She placed her hands on Laverne's shoulders and pulled him into place, into the place of his death. Laverne turned to face the three hills as the moon dipped behind them, his face devoid of expression. I fought with myself to hold back the flood of tears. Suddenly the king's fox ran across the field next to us and a muffled sound of amazement went up from the crowd. I turned to Laverne, knowing this omen gave him power. I knew nothing would stop him from carrying through with his sacrifice. Rona, her white hair, indistinguishable from her robe, carried an oak ember to the small stack of oak and rowan logs near us. She tossed in two sprigs of mistletoe. The fire burned bright and fast, and Laverne's face reflected its colors. No warmth emanated from it for me. I do this today to stop our valley from being overrun by the warriors who call themselves Romans. Laverne's clear, determined voice brought the crowd's eyes back to him. They took the mines from my people and killed my mother, 
sisters, and queen. I do not want them to come to this valley, to your clan, to my family. I do this so the gods will be here for you today and after today. He paused and looked over their heads. I saw hope, his inner strength in his eyes. Look! He turned to a small nearby hill. On it grew one of our sacred oak trees. He smiled and seemed to become even taller in the light of the fire. Under the tree was the fox that had followed us from the king's fort, and the tree was filled with my ravens. They were back together again. A small bud of hope appeared in my heart. I turned back, and he faced me. Jana, come tie back my hair. I shuffled forward and pulled a piece of yarn from the fringe of my cloak. He leaned in so I could reach his head. My hands were numb as I combed his hair back with my fingers. I could barely tie the knot around its fullness. Every breath I was able to take leaked a silent, I will not cry. Finley stepped forward and drew his bronze dirk. He reached over to Laverne's radiant red hair, cut a lock, and handed it to me. I grasped it in my hand and then stumbled back to my place, his hair clasped in my tight fist next to my heart. Nathrakian and another white-robed druid, as tall as he, stood on either side of Laverne. Each had a bronze axe gripped in one hand behind Laverne, their free hands grasping one of his arms. Bertha stepped up to Laverne and placed a braided, fox-gut garret attached to an alder branch around his neck, lifting his hair out of the way. Another in a white robe took hold of the stick, ready to turn it at Firtha's command. Firtha reached inside her cloak, withdrew a bronze dirk from her belt, and held it in her left hand. She stepped forward and placed her right hand over the center of Laverne's chest, over his heart. Numb, I repeated again to myself. The gods give us the sun that sets, but rises for a new day. We die, but we'll meet again in the home of the gods, and through our children and their children we will live throughout all time. I call on Lug and Scotia to listen to this man's words, Bertha shouted to the sky. Then looking back at Laverne's face, she continued, Laverne, the gods require that you freely give your life to them. Tell them now if that is so. His eyes stared into hers. I give my life on earth freely in exchange for a life with the gods and freedom for my people. Bertha glanced at Nathrakian and nodded. Oh, gods, be merciful to him and me. Let this death be not in vain. I will see him again. I will see him again. I will. At the same time, both axes were raised over Laverne's head, then the strong arms holding them arced down. I heard his skull break. His eyes closed, and he sagged forward, held up by the strength of Nathrakian and the second druid. A third druid raised an axe I had not seen and hit him again on the back of his head. His blood sprayed over my face. I tasted metal. His body was completely limp, head lolling, when the garret tightened quickly and deeply around his neck. Bertha stepped closer, and Nathrakian, his fingers entwined in Laverne's bloody hair, pulled his head back to expose his throat for her dirk. 
Laverne's blood seeped from the slice in his neck to join the dark, shimmering pool on the ground beneath him. Bertha's once white robe was now gory, covered with Laverne's life blood. The air around me wavered, and Bethan appeared between Laverne and me, as tall and strong as he had been while alive. He reached his hands to Laverne and commanded him to come. My heart leapt in my chest. Bethan had come to receive Laverne. It was so. It was true. My prayer was answered. The gods give us the sun that sets, but rises for a new day. We die, but will meet again in the home of the gods, and through our children and their children we will live throughout all time. Oh, gods, thank you. It must be so. I had to believe it so, for Laverne was dead on this earth. Bethan turned and smiled. We will come for you soon, my little mouse. The roar of the river to the other world filled my head, and the vibrating air around me grew still and black. Acrid peat smoke hung in the air. I closed my eyes and then opened them to see the druids loading Laverne's plaid cloak-wrapped body onto a small boat to carry him out to the deeper water, to lay him with the bronze blades. I felt myself travel. My mind touched Ains for an instant, and I filled her with my anguish and the picture of Laverne's death. Please join me again for another chapter of The Fox by Arlene Radaski. Now enjoy the music of Steve McDonald's song, I Will Return, from his Sons of Summerlet album. His music can be found at www.etherean.com, who along with Steve have allowed me to use the music in my podcasts. Learn more about The Fox at www.radasky.com. And I will be 
the side. 